Hey everyone, welcome back to the National Fire Radio Podcast, a podcast that is designed to talk about the job. I'm the luckiest guy alive. I get to interview the coolest people out there in the American Fire Service and talk about the job. Everything from guys riding backwards, officers, chiefs, up through companies, people, manufacturers, products, organizations, you name it. We're trying to capture the stories to promote the job and make the job better. So if you're returning and you're a regular listener, thank you. If you're new to the podcast, check it out and let us know what you think. Podcast at nationalfireradio.com is where you can find us. Send us an email. Let us know what you think about the show, people that you think might be a good guest, or anything else that you want to talk about. Send it over to podcast at nationalfireradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. And what we get to do is bring forth the word about the job. But in order to do that, we need the help of some sponsors. So do me a favor, hang tight, and listen to the words from a few of our sponsors. This episode's brought to you by Box Alarm Grills. When your apparatus arrives on scene, are you making the best showing? Looking to set your rig apart from everyone else? Want your engine, truck, or rescue to be easily identifiable? There is a solution. With large aluminum grill numbers and full-width rear mud flaps from Box Alarm Grills. Formed by Danny and a team of fellow firefighters, Box Alarm Grills gets it. They know what it means to show pride in your ride, delivering the quality construction and design that fire departments demand. That's why their grill numbers and mud flaps grab attention, enhance visibility, and make your fleet recognizable on scene while responding or just driving around town. Built in the USA by a family-owned business, Box Alarm Grills is quickly becoming the choice of fire companies, apparatus planners, and fire truck manufacturers with out-of-the-box or custom solutions. Check out functional, durable grill numbers and mud flaps from Box Alarm Grills today at boxalarmgrills.com and on Facebook and Instagram. And like Danny and his crew like to say, add pride to your ride. Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his team have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017 with over 200,000 shields in the market. Taylor's Tins is a leader in the American Fire Service helmet front space. Not only do they manufacture helmet fronts, but they do so much more. Locker tags, key chains, CO monitor charts, medical kit charts, pump charts, banquet awards, you name it, they do it. Go over to taylorstins.com and check out what they can offer you today. They've become a longtime sponsor and good friend of the National Fire Radio podcast. And because of that, they offer a promo code at checkout. So when you go to taylorstins.com, Enter NFR sent me. That is NFR sent me, and you'll get 15% off your checked out order. It works on all stock items from taylorstins.com, including quick tins, license plates, locker tags, and much, much more. Exclusions do apply. This is a company that prides themselves on quality and customer service. From the inception, from your design to out the door, it's within 48 hours. Nobody else is doing that. They can't do that. 48 hours to get your shield out the door to you to put it on your helmet and get to the next job. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com. Again, that's taylorstins.com. Check out their latest offerings and use promo code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for 15% off on your checkout. And in the words of Taylor and his crew, stop burning up leather. National Fire Radio back on the podcast today with my partner in crime, Robert Ridley. Rob, good morning. 
Good morning, Jeremy. How are you? Good, man. Doing some coffee this morning. You're in your zip code. I'm in mine. We're sharing a cup of coffee here and just catching up. You and I, have uh, we've had to split up some responsibilities lately. I get some messages every once in a while. They're like, is Rob, Rob good? You guys good? I haven't heard Rob lately. I haven't seen him lately. And I said, oh, we're spread thin, man. You got a lot going on in your personal life. You got a lot going on in the firehouse. There might be some uh, talks of onward and upward, which is very, very cool and exciting for you. Uh, and in my world, my world, as always, is upside down and super busy. Um, and so for us to get together and work on projects together these days, it's getting harder and harder. But we've also grown our footprint to where we need to kind of divide and conquer. Right. We need to split crews. <laughs> well, we are. And, you know, yeah. and so I'm headed in one direction, you're headed in the other. And, uh, you know, and that's kind of what this one's about today, man. We're going to hit this for 15, 20 minutes. We're going to talk about. Uh, the last two conferences we were at in the last two weeks or so, I go, I'm leaving again this week for Alabama for another uh, conference. Um, I was just up in Maine. I did the keynote for the New England Fools on the Friday night to launch it into Saturday and Sunday. Uh, two days of full lectures from great uh, guests with very powerful messages. Uh, I want to talk about that a little bit. And then we're going to hop into uh, your trip to Texas, to the Woodlands uh, with the Joey D Foundation. And, uh, and the training conference that they had over last weekend that you were there with uh, Joe, who has been a – Joe is uh, your senior man uh, from your job, and you take him with you on some of these projects, and I love being able to share that with him. And I think he's, he's going to become a much bigger, you know, player for us. He's, he's a super dude, man. I like Joe a lot. Yeah, our friend Joe is a, uh, a good addition. So Why do you refer grounding. to him that way all the time? Our friend Joe? Yeah. Uh, it's a, we actually got it from Mike Conroy. So he was, uh, that was how he, he kind of nicknamed Joe as our friend Joe. Um, cause he's always a friendly guy. He is a friendly guy with a killer mustache for sure. Right. Yeah. And that's, uh, ironically, uh, when we went out to, um, Missouri, that's how people referred to him. Like no prompting, just, they came up to him and they're like, Oh, our friend Joe. And he was like, and he just kind of had this look like, damn it. This name stuck. Yeah. It's and, stuck. uh, <laughs> all right. I was just curious. I didn't know the backstory yeah. on it, but every single time you mention him, you make his name a lot longer. It could just be Joe, but it's our friend Joe or my friend Joe. So, mm -hmm. okay. Just wanted to know where that was coming from. So let's break this down real quick because I don't want to hold you too long. Um, we got a thousand things in the hopper today. Um, let me, uh, I'll start with New England Fools since that was the week prior. Uh, New England Fools, Rusty and his crew up in, uh, out of Maine in the Massachusetts area. They throw a bunch of incredible conferences all year long. Um, Rusty's been doing this for a long time with the New England Fools, and they are just growing. It's probably one of the strongest fool organizations in the country, and I talk about it a lot. And And I should say this, too. Rusty was on the podcast a few weeks ago, so if you're interested, head back and look up uh, Rusty Ricker on the NFR podcast. It was a great episode where we talked about the New England Fools and the influence it had on his life as well as the members. And this is a thriving chapter that is growing Hand over fist, man. And I'll tell you this, uh, they just brought on, and I saw this on social media because they're very active on Instagram and so on. They just brought on uh, a bunch of Canadians, eh? So the New England chapter is growing, and they now have the Canada flag on their logo as well because I think people to the north are joining their organization as well. It's a very powerful fool's group with an incredible message. Rusty steers the ship, but he's got a huge support staff behind him. And they're doing great things. So uh, they had the uh, conference weekend like two, three weeks ago. 
Uh, Rusty had asked me to come up and do the Friday night keynote, which was pretty cool. Uh, I love doing, I love being asked to speak because I don't get to do it often in front of a group. I usually do it, you know, daily in front of small groups, you know, between the podcast and then going out and doing departmental visits and all the conferences that we go to. I end up speaking, you know, for the most part. But this was nice because I got to do my program, an abbreviated program. So I have a program called Bridging the Gap, Preserving Tradition and Culture One Generation at a Time. And it is a like PowerPoint uh, presentation. It's about 90 minutes long. I broke it down to about 60 minutes. Uh, Rusty wanted it more informal uh, pizza and beer type thing being served while I was doing it. Uh, there was probably about 150 to 175 people in the room. It was a great turnout for the weekend. And I absolutely loved firing up that crowd going into the weekend. And for me, it's one thing to deliver the message, Rob. It's another to deliver it with incredible passion behind the voice to get people fired up. And I will tell you, man, I felt so good up in front of everybody talking. And I'll tell you, man, there's nothing better than getting applause throughout and then getting standing applause at the end. Fucking crushed it. I loved it. I loved the feeling of that room, the people that were there between career and volunteer firefighters. They checked all that shit at the door and everybody was there for a weekend of camaraderie and brotherhood. And I'll tell you, I was honored to open up, man. It was cool. And I, I like the back and forth that you had yeah. with some of the members of the audience. Like when you were hitting on, you know, when you're talking about generations and the like supposed issues and like people were, you know, like, oh, yeah, that's right. And then you'd be like, yeah, but is it like, you know, I think it, like, I love your challenge of we complain that the young guys are on the phone, but the senior man's doing the same thing. And that challenge, I just listening to that interaction was was uh was funny. Well, I kept it real, right? Like the, the the thing that we're lacking more than ever in the firehouse is real conversation. I'm tired of the finger pointing. I'm I'm tired of this misconnect. And that's that's really what this is, right? There's a misconnect between young and old, but it's it's not real. It's only real in your own in your own head, right? Like we can't we can't vilify or hold people accountable to the same standards you had from your generation growing up when you have all these different influences in effect that are actually guiding and steering who you are as a human being. And we, as much as we want this young generation to adapt to the way we do it, the older generation has to adapt and understand that the guys that are coming in today come from a different viewpoint. And they have to adapt as well. The only way this job moves forward is if both all generations, whether the older or the younger generation and every rank and file along the way, we all have to come together and communicate. And we have to be able to check some ego at the door. We have to be able to check some of our pride at the door to figure out the way that works best to put us on the best path forward. And, you know, and so I go through that speech or not speech, but presentation. And I talk about the different generations and the influences that each generation has as they grow up versus like World War Two to baby boomers, to Generation X, to Gen Z and, and millennials and everything in between. I mean, common fact, everybody screws up with millennials. We blame millennials for everything. And yet it's really not the millennials because nobody even knows what the millennial age group is. And that's the funniest right. thing. Like when you look at millennials, millennials are 29 to 43. So I'm 46 years old. I'm only three years out, right? I'm generation right. X, which is the best generation, but I'm generation X millennials 
are just a few years younger than me, but we think every young kid is a millennial, which in fact they're not. And so like, there's a lot of misconceptions and frankly, a lot of them are, are way off the mark. And so I should say this, the, the lecture I did that night is on our podcast channel. I think you can find it from a week or two ago. It was posted uh, and I did record it. The volume was a little shaky because the lapel mic crapped out right in the beginning and I didn't know that. So I wish the audio was a little bit clearer, but it is still a very good listen. So I would challenge you, if you haven't listened to it, you have to go check it out. Um, there's a lot of powerful stuff in there, but I'll tell you, man, I love setting the tempo and tone for a conference. To open up like that, man, I was yelling. I was so fired up, and, uh, and I enjoyed every second of it. And uh, I thank Rusty and the New England Fools for giving me an opportunity to share our message from National Fire Radio and who we are and the passion that we have for protecting this job and pushing it forward. And it's just super important that we get our message out there. Yeah. And the the training, like you said before, the training they provide, the opportunities that the New England Fools are able to, like if you are within what, four hours or five hours of of their conference it's worth the investment yeah make yourself a part of it man it's an affordable weekend and not only that but this is i believe their 20th anniversary and so they have a lot of things happening this year i know they have another uh training weekend coming up just in another week or two i think i saw that Uh, i'm trying to remember who's speaking i know mickey farrell's speaking and there's somebody else speaking too so i know that this year with the new england fools because it's the new england area of the country they're trying to put an event in each state and uh, and region so that everybody gets a little piece of home turf on their 20th anniversary. But these guys are crushing it. They are a very active fools group and very proactive, and they bring in some great speakers, man. And uh, I was honored to be a part of the lineup that was there. And, uh, and really, it was just a, a great weekend of fellowship and brotherhood and pushing this job forward, man. So it was a lot of fun. And uh, I yeah. go over and check it out on the podcast channel. Uh, there is another episode of it uh, where I do it. It's the New England Fools keynote from a couple of weeks ago. So check it out if you haven't. Um, and check out the New England Fools. And uh, they're bringing some great stuff to the table, man. Really good stuff. So why don't we talk about this then? Since I was in Maine, you had to cover... Uh, the Joey D conference in Texas, and you took your buddy Joe, which we said earlier. And yep. our friend Joe uh, came with us. Yeah, was, uh... a lot of times people don't understand like what we do. If we're not speaking at the conference, a lot of times we're facilitating something at the conference, whether it's a, a roundtable discussion or, in fact, we do a lot of media marketing and things like that. And so we've worked with the Joey D Foundation to capture some of the training, the fireground stuff. Uh, we hosted a roundtable last year in Texas at the Joey D where we moderated a panel of uh, speakers to the crowd, which was a lot of fun. So we've done a bunch of things with them over the years, and uh, and they extended the invite for us to join them down in Texas, which was a lot of fun because we've gotten to know a lot of the guys that the guys and girls that teach on behalf of them at the conference. Uh, and it is um, a conference that raises money for a not-for-profit that pushes that money back into the fire service through grants for training uh, in regards to bailout kits, PSS systems, and things like that. So it's a very worthwhile cause in the name of Joey DiBernardo, who was killed as a result of injuries sustained during the Black Sunday fire um, and so on. And so I will I will say this too. If you're not familiar with the Joey D Foundation or you're not familiar with Black Sunday, you can go back and listen. There's a podcast where we interviewed Jeff Cool. And Jeff Cool is a survivor of the Black Sunday fire who had to, uh, he was a part of 
the crew that had to bail out of that building that fateful day. And, uh, and he survived but had massive injuries. And he travels the country now uh, speaking about that fire, speaking about his experiences, and raising money and awareness for the Joey D Foundation. So very worthwhile cause. Always an honor to be a part of their conference. And, Rob, how'd it go, man? Uh, it went it, – it was, it was a good time. Uh, I mean, it was an early start for Joe and I. We had just finished at work doing a, uh, a training series on active shooters uh, – that whole week so we got done nine o'clock on thursday night um said goodbye to our you know the the uh speaker ed monk who we were hosting went to bed and woke up and we were on the road by 2 30 in the morning to catch an early flight from laguardia to houston um got down there and we hit the ground running we got on the fire ground started shooting content and just you know the, the the neat part is getting to say hi to old friends who we've made along the way and just just you know there's that for me, there was that recognition of like, like Mo came out of, uh, Mo Davis came out of the burn can and like, you know, he, you just can't not smile when you see that guy because he's so excited and he just gives you a, a bear hug. Um, <laughs> doesn't care that he's in his gear and everything else. He's just like, he's happy to see it. And that's kind of, that's the, the, the common theme of the whole weekend is everybody's happy to be there and, and happy to see you. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Anderson Rescue Solutions. Anderson Rescue Solutions was founded in 2016 by former Philadelphia firefighter Tim Anderson. As an urban firefighter and rescue specialist, Tim found that the equipment available to him lacked the usability and practicality in complex high-stress environments that rescuers often found themselves in. To combat this, he developed products based on his own experiences in the field, creating innovative, efficient gear designed to thrive in reality. The Multi-Loop Rescue Strap is a perfect example of one of these products. Made in America, this patented tool is used for rapidly harnessing firefighters or civilians in the worst conditions. Every feature is fine-tuned to meet the needs of rescuers battling low visibility, low dexterity, and high stress. The Multi-Loop Rescue Strap has been used in numerous real-world rescues for both firefighters and civilians, all across the country, and it is being increasingly adopted by fire, rescue, and tactical agencies as standard issue equipment. I carry one. I have carried one for many years. It is the most versatile strap out there. Check it out. The Multi-Loop Rescue Strap by Anderson Rescue Solutions. Tim Anderson, the owner and proprietor of Anderson Rescue Solutions, has become a dear friend. In fact, he's even been on the podcast several episodes ago dropped the incredible information he's super passionate about the fire service about special operations and he has built an incredible company an incredible product so because of our great relationship with tim and anderson rescue solutions if you go to andersonrescue.com you'll get 10 percent off if you use the promo code nfr2023 that's nfr2023 at checkout on andersonrescue.com you'll get 10 percent off your order and do me a favor go over to their social media and check out facebook instagram and youtube for weekly news product info and other content in regards to anderson rescue solutions this episode's brought to you by Flame Decon. Developed specifically for firefighter decon, Flame shampoo, body wash, and soaps reduce your risk of getting occupational cancer. Live fire testing shows that carcinogens on your skin after a fire are removed and undetectable after using Flame. 
Flame Decon has made a product that not only does its job and does it well, but that you'll enjoy using. They smell amazing. They make your skin and hair feel great. I will be an absolute witness to that. I have used the product. Tara and I have known each other for quite some time. She has sent us product. We have used it, and it does take that smell of soot and smoke off of you immediately following a shower. It makes a difference. You can find Flame Decon products at flamedecon.com and use promo code NFR for 15% off your first order. That's promo code NFR for 15% off your first order at flamedecon.com. And for departments that are interested in departmental orders, more than one or two pieces of product, you can reach out to Tara directly at Tara at flamedecon.com. She's happy to entertain any inquiries that you have. And this made me think departments need to protect their own and protecting our own is also after the fire. Chiefs, purchasing managers, look into Flame Decon as a way of protecting our firefighters in and out of the fire. So check out Flame Decon at flamedecon.com. Use promo code NFR for 15% off your first order. So it was just, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, I think what's I really, just, I think what's really cool, Rob, I don't mean to jump in real quick, yeah. but you know, what's really cool though is the guys that come out to teach. So there's a connection with Texas. So uh, Steve Sanguinoche of Affordable Drill Towers, who's retired out of Houston. He's a dear friend of ours, supporter of National Fire Radio, all of that. He got involved with the foundation years ago. Um, and uh, it's very, pa- it's a passion project of his. This year, he wasn't able yeah. to be a big part of the conference, even though he was there. Typically, he's the, he's the guy boots on the ground in Texas that runs it. Um, he had some other things going on this year, so he couldn't be the, the hands-on facilitator of it. Um, but but they did a nice job. But where I'm going with that is they there's such a strong connection and passion for the foundation that it's rooted out of New York, obviously, being FDNY firefighters. But there's a, a lot of passion and similarities between the Houston Fire Department, which brings out a lot of guys for this too, especially guys that yeah. teach like Mo and Clyde, because they've had their share of tragedies too. And there is this like mutual respect for one another that is just incredible. It's kind of like you can't even describe like the feeling of that. And, and everybody that's involved in the Joey D conference, whether up in New York or down in Texas, they're all in. I mean, everything that's done goes back to the foundation. Uh, their time spent there, their uh, their love and passion for pushing it forward and, and training and teaching, whether they're the, the Sunday lectures or the hands-on two days prior. I mean, this is a full, like, three-day conference that brings so much to the table through guys that are there on their own goodwill. You know, you started on that, and I wrote down Houston, FDNY, in the middle of it, I put LODD. And the one thing that this connection between Houston – the guys from Houston, Steve's essentially Steve Sangadolce's people or the affordable drill towers that he has come in and help him with training. And then the foundation is both organizations have the courage to talk about line of duty deaths. And like you said, FDNY certainly has had their share. And so has Houston. And that was one of the most powerful things. And Joe and I were kind of talking about it on the way home. And I said, you know, cause I said like, Hey man, what'd you think of the, the weekend, the conference? And he said the fact that, like, between Kevin and other people and then the guys from Houston being able to share their experiences, because, like, we always train for, you know, this worst-case scenario. But 
having the watching these guys have the courage and the humility to talk about the worst case scenario so we can be better prepared for it that was one of the most powerful things that he took away from from the weekend and it was like it was insane because you know it's just how how do, how do you you can't you can't write about it in a book you can't try to train for it like you hear it from the horse's mouth essentially from these people who actually walk the walk and and talk the talk and went through it yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I the only way we move forward is if we're willing to have real conversation, and I think when we when we decide to uh, come out from behind what's truly happening and we start to talk about it and look at it and have an honest conversation with one another, that is where we progress. That is where we make progress in the fire service. But I think we are very rooted in protecting ourselves, protecting uh, each other and protecting the department. And so a lot of times, you know, they talk about, um, you know, the NIOSH reports after line of duty fires. And you know that the guys that they interview, the guys and girls they interview that were directly involved in those fires, they're not telling a whole story. They're holding right. back. We're not, we're not painting an accurate picture in those NIOSH reports about what actually happened or the aftermath of that, right? And a lot of times the collateral damage is how everything plays out behind closed doors. And so, you know, that's a very interesting part of it that I think when we realize that we can do, you know, we could potentially be doing a disservice by not putting it all out there to learn from it. And some of it maybe needs to remain closed off. I don't know. Right. I mean, I think every situation is is unique to itself. And I'm not saying that how the process works now, it doesn't work. What I'm saying is when you read those reports, there are a lot of holes and there's a lot of information that's not being shared because they don't want to share it. And so I think we have to do a better job at being accountable for ourselves and sharing information so that we can we can progress and move forward. Now, whether that's internally on the job or or it hits the NIOSH report, whatever the case, but being willing to have open and candid conversations about what goes down during line of duty deaths or serious injury fires or situations that we've been involved with that tend not to go well. The only way we learn is when we're willing to have that conversation. And watching, watching these guys share and girls share the experiences that they went through. And then it's coupled with the training that they're doing creates such a passionate environment for education because now like, it's not just me reading out of a book and being like, hey, Jeremy, this horrible event happened on this day, so today we're going to do this drill. It's, I went through this, and this is the things that I learned, or we went through this, and this is the things that we learned. And we don't want you guys to have to figure this out when the building's collapsing around everybody. Like, that just, like, you, you know, it's it's a, it sobers the, the training moment and just delivers such a great message. And at the same time, people are, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, let's say this is very serious. And we're like, we're still having fun because we're still firefighters. We're still learning with each other and everything else. But it's just that factor kind of makes it more, I don't know if more real is the right way. I'm, you know, I'm not sure how to put it, but it's just, it really helps deliver it. Yeah, absolutely. So. And that's what the Joey D Foundation is is built on this. It's It, it came out of the death of uh, Lieutenant Joseph uh, P.D. Bernardo from the city who died years later after the Black Sunday fire from complications of injuries that he sustained. And there were a lot of other guys that died that day. They perished that day because they didn't have bailout kits. They got put in a position where there was chopped up SROs and, and they got cut off. And their only way to exit 
was to jump. And so, you know, that fire is known in history in New York City and and across the country. And it it is a fire that then pushed forward a not-for-profit foundation that is now trying to raise awareness and bring forth the importance of PSS systems uh, and escape systems for firefighters. And, uh, and so out of tragedy, hopefully comes, um, you know, something uh, on a good side, meaning that they're raising a, a lot of money to help support our own. And I think that's where the real conversations matter. And if you ever listen to Jeff cool or Kevin Yost talk about, uh, the Black Sunday fire and the aftermath and everything that they all went through uh, and and so on and what they witnessed and, and what were a part of. Uh, man, I'll tell you, uh, it is real conversation. And uh, if you listen to Mo and Clyde talk about fires in Houston uh, and what, what has transpired there, it, whether they were there or not, I mean, they're very candid and open about the fires that have occurred where they have had loss of our own at those fires. And so real conversation matters. And through tragedy like that, hopefully comes some slice of, of, you know, um, responsibility and memory keeping to pay back, meaning foundations and training organizations and conferences that give more in the name of. And I think that that's super important. So the Joey D conference, uh, Rob was in the woodlands, Texas, right. And, um, And so really, really squared away department down there. We met them last year when we were down there, and you were back this year, obviously. But the student-to-instructor student to ratio is very powerful. It's two days of hands-on, one day of lecture. Uh, Chief Richardson from the FDMY uh, spoke, right? You had Mo Davis, yep. Clyde Gordon, Mickey Farrell from the FDMY. So a lot of great speakers that were there, a lot of great information, but incredible hands-on, too. Talk to me about some of the hands-on. The hands-on stuff was was awesome from the point of like different stations, different tracks. And actually one of the things that we did this year to help the foundation out was we did uh, exit interviews essentially with with students just right like right on the street, like they're stripping their gear off. And I'm like, hey man, like we're, you know, can we grab a quick sound bite from you? So they had a tech rescue track, which a lot of the students appreciate because you know, at smaller departments, they don't have the resources to necessarily you know there might be only be two or three guys in the shift so for them to actually be able to set up a rope system and a rigging system and do stuff off the tower you know uh, uh, raising and or hauling and lowering systems like that that's pretty cool the extrication stuff um they have some of the best in the industry from uh, actually amcus is a huge supporter of this conference so they're uh, extrication specialists were there. And at the term I heard I, for the first time that I've uh, never heard before, I don't know if you've heard it in your experience, Jeremy, is uh, they, they talked about reversing the accident. And like they showed us techniques and we, we captured some of this on film of eliminating the need for relief cuts. And the guy had uh, had like a timer and he showed that like there's a four minute or five minute difference if you just eliminate the relief cuts and do it like going through um, the stereo speaker wire holes with the spreaders. And I, I've, I've never seen this before. And he goes, how many times have you, you know, and he smiles as he's saying this, how many times have you like just started to tear metal in the car and you're not making any progress? Well, here you get the tear metal, but it's actually going to work in your advantage. And yeah. um, so that, that's a, you know, that's a unique spot there. Um, Larry DiCamillo, who did not leave early, which is awesome for Larry, but <laughs> joking aside, he did the whole, uh stuff on ladder trucks and like they had 
you know, a straight stick. They had a mid-mount tower. They had a rear-mount tower. And Larry's going over all these finer points of it. But, like, the, the takeaway is that if you're looking to kind of learn about aerial devices, it's a perfect conference to do that because you're going to be able to get your hands practically on every one. The only one that we we, did, we couldn't get our hands on this year because it got moved across town was a tractor-drawn aerial. Um, so, you know, I was a little, little bummed about that because Woodlands has got, like, a really cool tiller. But we did get to see their hazmat unit, which is actually pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, just, like, great, great classes, great experiences, you know, and the instructor-to-student ratio isn't overwhelming. So you're getting, like, a one-on-one -on -one experience. I'm always as as, I'm uh, always impressed with how many instructors they bring in for this. I mean, it is it yeah. is really well, you know, staffed um, by a lot of people that want to be there, and so it makes for just a great experience, a great weekend for the student as well as the staff and the instructor staff. So, and I know weekends like that. I mean, when I was in Maine, I come home from a weekend like that. I'm fired up, ready to go. Uh, it certainly is uh, some of the fuel that I need, especially for the amount of work that goes into what we do and the long hours and, and so on, that's kind of that fuel that like just keeps us going. And, um, you know, mm -hmm. you said something before about when you were up in new England and you said career volunteer, it didn't matter. They checked their ego at the door. Um, the, it was a unique conversation that I had when I grabbed a, a soundbite from somebody and, and, uh, the kid went, oh, you know, I'm only a, I'm, I'm only a volunteer. Like our department only does a handful of calls a year. And I like said, Hey man, like you're, you're a firefighter. Like, you know, I said, people can have the argument about paid versus career or paid versus volunteer, et cetera. But I want you to know something. Like if I crash my car in your fire district, who's coming to get me? And he's like, well, me. And I'm like, then you are just as important to me as, as it is like the guys here on the rescue in Houston. Like, there's no, there's no difference. I said, you got to like, look at that. Cause nobody here is judging that, you know, and that's one of the things that came out. And I, I shared with them cause I think Jersey city, right. When if Jersey city ha has a problem with their water, they have uh, tankers come in from outside, you know, from the mutual aid to help them with water supply. Right. Yeah. I mean, any city does that really. Yeah. Um, so like I said, like I was kind of using that as an example, just as you're like, Hey, listen, like there's things that you do in the country that, you know, I'm not going to be able to do because I have no clue because it's not in my wheelhouse. So I've never had to do it. So just kind of keep that in mind. And, and he really like, just, I don't know if nobody's ever pitched the information that way or what, but like, it was, it was cool to watch that aha moment of sorts, you know? Um, but Well, you bring up a very good point, man. And I've, I think I've done it where I say I'm only a volunteer and it's like, wait a minute. Like, why am I only like, I'm not just only a volunteer. I'm proud to be a volunteer. Right. And, and I think yeah. that, yeah. And, and it's a good point, Rob. And, and I think that needs to be explored further because people need to be proud of who they are. People need to be proud of where they ride. In fact, you need to ride with the best fire department. If you don't believe that, go find a fire department that you believe is the best right. because that's exactly. where you belong. Right. Yeah. And it was just one of those things too, where, you know, I told them, I'm like, you know, I always say like, Hey, you get people on that who want to have that conversation in a negative light. But I look at it this way. If my, if my wife was, was some, you know, in, in Iola, Texas, and she was at an Airbnb somewhere and the house caught on fire, like you guys are coming to get her. The fire doesn't give a shit who you are. Uh, you know, my wife's certainly not going to care who's coming to get her out of the burning building. All she, she knows is that she wants to survive. So, you know, be, be proud of, like you said, be proud of who you are and, and take pride in that because who, if, if not you, then, then who's going to answer that call?
So it was just kind of cool, a cool moment there. Yeah. That we had, you know. No, I love it. Well, I think that's the best thing about these conferences, right? Is that, you know, regardless of who's teaching, who's instructing, whether it's a, you know, a lecture or hands-on, right? That it, It's not even that they're students, right? The people that are there are there because they want to better themselves. And that's people that are getting a paycheck to be there and people that aren't. And it really doesn't matter because we all have the same mission in mind and we're just trying to better ourselves, which provides a better service to the community that we're sworn to protect. And so ultimately we're all there for the right reasons. Who gives a shit whose patches on what arm and what your title yeah. is? And um, I think a lot of these conferences do a very nice job with that because they check all that bravado and bullshit at the door and they, they push it forward by wanting and needing people to be there to learn, and they fuel that. I love it. I absolutely love it. So so I'm glad you made it down there. I'm a little upset I couldn't make it down there. But, uh, again, I'm off this week. Uh, the end of the week, I got to go out to Alabama. Uh, I'm going to be with Anthony Rowett and Mickey Farrell and a couple other guys in Alabama with the uh, Firefighters Training Foundation. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. So that's going to be the South Alabama Fire Hot Weekend Training Event in Fairhope, Alabama. I've never been to Fairhope, Alabama. I've never been to Alabama. So this is going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, you're going to love it. Yeah? I, I think the, uh, yeah, um, we went, uh, we're down in Pensacola for uh, ODP with County Fire Tactics, and my wife came down, and we went over to Mobile, and we got to meet, um, you know, meet up with Anthony and had lunch with him and stuff. But the, uh, you know, his whole Port City fire training stuff is is very unique, and I hope you get to, see some of the things I don't know where you're going to be in relationship to mobile and stuff, but, uh, Michael O'Hare was kind enough to take us around on Monday. We had a day to kill. So we went to a bunch of firehouses and we went to the, uh, port of Houston. So just like kind of seeing how that whole world operates yeah. uh, of shipboard firefighting, port firefighting. Um, and Anthony is, is, uh, you know, he's, he's the one behind, uh, Port City fire, uh, Port City fire training, and mm -hmm. it's just it, it's it's a unique experience. Like those universal connections and everything else is just a uh, it's a wild wild thought, you know, of a different approach of how to how to go and attack a fire because ultimately we still got to go put water on the fire. So, okay, love it. Well, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. That's coming up this weekend, um, and it's just you know it's. Uh, it's conference season again, man. Winter's slowing down. Spring's picking up. And now there's a list of conferences throughout the rest of the year. We got a lot going on. Um, I think you and I need to do a catch-up session like this more often. But uh, I'm glad that we're able to cover everything that we're covering so far. I appreciate you going down to Texas and representing us, Rob. Thank you, you and Joe. And um, appreciate you, man. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I was happy to do it. So Good. Well, guys, that's a little update on what we've been up to. Um, if you're interested in having us at a conference, let us know. Reach out to us. We'd be more than happy to be a part of it. Uh, it's a great way to, to get the information out there about your conference and what you're bringing to the table, and uh, we'd love to share that and document that for you. Uh, as well as, you know, uh, speaking at them, too. Uh, we do offer a couple different programs, so we'd have no, uh, no worries about coming out and, and speaking uh, at the conference, too, if you were ever looking for that, um, and so on. So we can, do, we can do a bunch of different services for you. So don't, don't hesitate to reach out and ask us what we can do for you. Be more than happy to do that. That's part of what we do at National Fire Radio. So, Rob, thank you, brother, for jumping in today. I appreciate you, man. No problem, man. Happy to do it. Yeah, go enjoy your week and uh, crush it, man, because you deserve it. And uh, anyway, you too. The people listening, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this, and thanks for trusting us on National Fire Radio. We appreciate your fellowship, your brotherhood, your sisterhood, and being a part of what we're trying to do here. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you at the next one. Have a good week.
See you soon. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. National Fire Radio.